0: A thing that looks like a police box Standing in a junkyard It can move
1: anywhere in time Avon, Colton Give priority to the detectors And the navigation systems
0: There and is a, a corridor And the corridor is time It surrounds
1: all things On display on I eventually had to go down to the cellar That's the display department With a torch The lights probably gone So had the stairs Yours is number six I am not a number I am a person
0: welcome to british invaders episode 395 this is the podcast all about british science fiction television and this time we are talking about The War of the Worlds. This is Brian from Canada.
1: And this is Eamon from England. Hello. So
0: we are looking at a modern adaptation of the H.G. Wells classic from 2019 from the BBC, done as three 55-minute episodes.
1: Yes, BBC taking on H.G. Wells' classic work of science fiction, keeping the period setting and sort of timing of the book when it comes out, but introducing some modern themes that reflect Some of the fears of the 19th century and the 21st century, so there are some interesting sort of diversions from the text as we go along to talk about Prime.
0: Yes, and they went with the time period of when the book came out, as you you said, which it wasn't a period piece when it was released,
1: but they kept that original publication period, which is nice. Interesting stuff. So the setup for this uh, series, George and Amy are a young couple living together in Woking, near London. They're living with some difficulties from the society around them because society doesn't accept them. It disapproves of them because George is still married to another woman and has not been able to get a divorce. And so there's a certain amount of tutting and frowning from polite society around them, Brian.
0: Yes. And this is very late 19th century or very early 20th century, so it's a time when those sorts of things are quite significant. And one of their few remaining friends at this point is an astronomer using a large telescope. He has observed some strange emissions or ejections, something coming from the surface of Mars. But when a mysterious object crashes in a nearby world, wood people soon realize there are bigger issues at hand than what you can see through a telescope or
1: these societal things about who is living with whom there is certainly something weird going on in the woods on the common ground outside of woking
0: absolutely so getting into the characters george played by rafe spall who we remember from harry price ghost hunter And also from Black Mirror, the Christmas episode. He starred in both of those. Here he plays a journalist who is reporting on the tensions between England and Russia. And as mentioned, he has a wife who he married when he was very young and she will not grant him a divorce, which, according to some, means he's living in sin by living
1: with someone else. And, of course, that someone else is Amy, his partner... A very fierce, determined and intelligent modern woman for the era. Very keen to go and study natural sciences at university. Fascinated by uh, the astronomy and looking through telescopes, but really by all aspects of science. Played here by Eleanor Tomlinson who I guess at the time was probably best known for her role in the remake of a series called Poldark. But we've also seen her recently in Stephen Merchant's The Outlaws series, quite a fun comedy sort of crime caper series that's been on the television recently. And here she is as the sort of fiery, independent modern woman coming up against the problems of society the and then coming up against, as we've said, some much bigger problems.
0: Yes, absolutely. And the two of them are sort of the the core of this series you have something interesting because the original novel, The War of the Worlds, had a narrator who was very much involved in in what was going on. He's never named. Some speculate that he may be H.G. Wells himself. Here he's called George, which is one of H.G. Wells' names. So there is a reference to that idea, or at least he is named after Wells. We're pretty sure of that. And Amy he is a new character for this version. So, the two of them sort of fit into the position that the narrator was in in the novel.
1: Interesting, and the choice of name for George is, you know, as you say, significant Brian, and we're going to come back to that in a few moments.
0: Yes, of course. Frederick played by Rupert Graves, best known I think for playing Lestrade or Lestrade in Sherlock uh, across from Benedict Cumberbatch. And we saw Rupert Graves a while back in the nightmare worlds of hg wells as well so this is a second hg wells related thing we've seen him in frederick is george's older brother he works with the british admiralty and is working with the foreign office and has his own reservations about george and amy's relationship but also cares for george as an older brother
1: yes it's a very interesting relationship between the two which we see play out over the three episodes And then we'll mention the sort of the last of the four main characters. We've talked about him briefly, the astronomer, Ogilvy, the astronomer, played by none other than Robert Carlyle, who we've seen on British Invaders in another Benedict Cumberbatch series, The Last Enemy. But of course, he's also been a Bond villain. He was the Bond villain, I think, in The World Is Not Enough, Brian. Is that right? He was one of the villains in The World Is Not Enough. That's right. So another canonical Bond villain to add to our list. Here he is playing a very sort of kind and gentle astronomer, probably the first person on Earth to realise something is going on on Mars and that there are these strange uh, flares or emissions from the surface of Mars. And he's also, he's a friend to George and Amy. He doesn't seem bothered by their relationship. And he is a friendly face and a friendly voice for them, which is quite nice. And is again, will play out through the series.
0: Yes, and he's sort of a voice of reason and someone who understands some of the science and things that are going on. So he adds to things in a number of ways that way.
1: So are you keeping track of the Bond villains we've come across, Eamon? I'm not keeping a list or account, and I should be. I know it's not all that long ago since we talked about Louis Jourdan in The Dracula, but I'll have to go back and see (laughs) which of the Bond villains we've ticked off.
0: The reason I I mentioned that is we had had talked about a few of them. We also talked about Julian Glover, who was in Space 1999 and other things, but it only just occurred to me that in our conversations about that we missed one because if you go way back to when we covered 1984 it had donald pleasance in it
1: ah possibly the best version of blofeld very good well uh, an
0: early version of blofeld certainly from uh, you only live twice so I believe it does mean we've come up against Bond villains from the
1: 60s, 70s, 80s and 90s now. Fantastic. Listen to this space for an updated Bond villain cat here on Bond Watch.
0: Yes, I think we're up to at least four, if not five or six. Right. But indeed, it was nice seeing Robert Carlyle show up here. It is a good cast, and they uh, set things up with the with the characters uh, quite well, I think. They do indeed. So for a little bit more of the story beyond that very basic setup, once this strange capsule is observed on the common ground outside Woking, it opens, and we start seeing the nature of this invasion. The Martian invasion is revealed. We soon see the tripods, uh, enormous tripods roaming the landscape with heat rays destroying soldiers instantly and a red mist or smoke covering the landscape as it starts to escape. So we see a lot of the things that we uh, want to see and expect to see in uh, any adaptation of War of the Worlds. George and Amy are separated as crowds of people are trying to flee the devastation and make for the coast, hoping to escape by boat, And so on. But we end up with George and Amy separated and looking for each other.
1: And the War of the Worlds of the title has begun. And uh, as you say, Brian, scenes of devastation right towards the end of the first episode. Pretty much, you know, overwhelming superiority from the Martians. And the scenes that we see created on the screen for us are really quite dramatic and amazing and this idea as you say of you know the british as refugees heading for the boats to try and escape life on the planet earth will never be the same for any of the characters or anybody after this invasion um the war of the Worlds has begun
0: yes and we have visuals that are very much reminiscent of that original novel but are also still quite
1: scary and quite imposing, so that was nice that they accomplished that. So let's turn you to our production notes and start with the great H.G. Wells himself again, who we've discussed many a time now on this podcast. Particularly, you can go back to episodes 73, 120, 147, and 365 to find our previous notes about Wells. Of course, one of the great British novelists, the founders of science fiction... Um, We're going to take you back to the 1890s when he had already published The Time Machine, The Island of Dr Moreau and The Invisible Man, a book that we've now covered twice on the podcast. And at the time, one of his influences for The War of the Worlds, we know, was the popularity of what was called invasion literature in the late 1800s because that was quite a theme at the time.
0: Yes, and this is something that I think is a little bit lost to time now, as that invasion stories were popular and were a thing at the time, but the idea of an alien invasion from outer space was new. We do know that Wells had a discussion with his brother Frank about what the British Empire had done to various indigenous peoples, from around the world from other countries and wondered what would happen if martians would do the same to us to humans and to the to the british and a version of that conversation shows up between george and frederick in this series So they seem to be taking some things from some of Wells' history there as well,
1: which is interesting. Yes, very much working some of Wells' own experiences into this production.
0: Wells might also have been influenced by Percival Lowell's 1895 book, Mars, which popularized the idea of canals on Mars, which was based on a famous mistranslation of the Italian word canali, which means channels and not canals canali was stated by the italian astronomer chaparelli in some descriptions of markings he saw on the surface of mars so it was Lowell's book and you started getting these ideas about things that might be on on Mars and the idea of Martians who had dug canals on the, the surface being popularized, I think, by Lowell and then by Wells.
1: And of course, as you say, Brian, this led to a very widespread belief in life on Mars existing, And I recently, I've just read a book by a planetary sort of uh, scientist about the history of exploration uh, and photography of Mars. And this belief persisted from the late 1800s till the sort of mid-1960s when we finally got pictures of the surface of Mars back from Mariner 4 and could see that it was a dead planet. But, uh, you know, the idea that it was in some ways, if not inhabited, but at least fertile, was quite common. And that, of course, I think, with the invasion literature fed into H.G. Wells's. Uh, thinking when he published The War of the Worlds.
0: Yes, it's quite striking that there was, you know, a period of 60 or 70 years when the common assumptions were often that Mars was sort of Earth-like and had life of its own.
1: So turning to the publication, he first serialized The War of the Worlds in Pearson's magazine in 1897. There's a very Victorian thing to do serializing it first and then the following year 1898 it's published as a novel and it becomes one of wells's most successful novels of his rich canon probably one of the first sort of like 3 of his books that you think of when you think of his science fiction never been out of print since obviously a hugely successful book for him yes absolutely
0: and it's been adapted for various media many times famously there was a 1938 radio show by orson wells which is as much as being well known for the show itself it's it's well known for the the panic it caused It was somehow confused for live radio reporting at the time, which is... Very strange from our perspective now, but uh, when radio was much newer, that uh, apparently could happen. There was also the George Powell film from 1953 that was uh, produced by Powell, directed by Brian Haskin. And then in 2005, there was a Steven Spielberg movie with Tom Cruise. There have been many different versions. Most of the ones I've come across, the ones we've mentioned here for sure, always updated
1: it to be said in the present day. Interestingly, I don't think that Jeff Wayne's musical War of the Worlds from 1978, I think that sticks to the original dating of sort of like late 1800s, early 1900s. That was, of course, famously recorded. Many people will be familiar with the artwork for that sort of gatefold LP and the fact that Richard Burton played the part of the narrator in that That's more recently been updated with, I think, Liam Neeson taking over the part of the narrator. I don't know. Have you come across Jeff Wayne's musical version, Brian?
0: I have never listened to it. I have heard plenty about it. I know that it's a cult classic of its own. And there are many people who love that version. It isn't one that I've heard or that I'm very familiar with. I have looked at many of the others we've talked about, and I do quite like that 1938 radio series.
1: Oh, it is great to go back and listen to the Mercury Theatre version, yes.
0: Yes, if you haven't heard that, and it's available all over the place, it is definitely worth hearing that. It's something like maybe... 40 minutes long it isn't it isn't that long and it has the the moment in it where Orson Welles declares that this is fiction this is not real and that was something that was required that he put in there you know at at the moment live because Things were starting to go wrong because of this
1: fascinating stuff
0: so in early 2017 the bbc announced they would be producing a period appropriate three-part adaptation of the war of the worlds and the press release suggested that it would reflect some contemporary themes which i guess not surprisingly led to a social media backlash about what the BBC would do with it and so on.
1: Yes. Now, it either caused some extra publicity for the BBC or it caused a backlash. It depends how you view these things. Uh, Certain elements of social media didn't like the idea of introducing contemporary themes into period classics. It's an ongoing debate, I think, Brian.
0: Yeah. And of course, they were commenting on that, not having seen it or knowing anything about what what was going into it. I don't think there would have been any such uh, backlash against the show itself had that not been been issue issued in the press release mm. the screenwriter Peter Harness has credits including the 2005 version of a view from a hill by M. R. James uh, also Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell which we may get to covering at some point you never know and some Doctor Who episodes some of the Peter Capaldi 12th Doctor episodes kill the moon the Zygon Invasion and the Zygon Inversion. So interesting
1: person to be bringing in to adapt this novel. Yes, absolutely. And of course, Harness very much felt that the unnamed narrator of the book should have a partner and that she should be as strong and independent as him. And in fact, you probably everybody will know the famous opening narration about the martians watching the earth and making their plans against us and in this version amy the uh, the sort of like narrator's partner gets that opening narration It's quite, without giving too many spoilers, it puts quite a lot onto the part of Amy in in this production. It does. And you
0: can understand why having a second character there makes sense, because you want to have conversations between people in a drama rather than
1: just the narrator talking about things. And to give a little bit more background, of course, if you look into the personal life of H.G. Wells, you will know that he had his own experience of marrying a cousin when he was quite a young man and then leaving her later when he fell in love with a woman called Amy and they went to live in a cottage in Woking. And, of course, it was while he was in that cottage with Amy that he wrote The War of the Worlds. So the BBC have, again, not only borrowed the conversation between him and his brother for this production, they've also borrowed, basically... Uh, wells' personal life for our characters of george and amy
0: yes so the idea of hg wells in some way being associated with that narrator who really is a character in the book not just giving narration that definitely comes into play here the series was directed by Craig Vivieros with original music composed by Russ Davies. And it was filmed in and around Liverpool and also London.
1: And it looks, the location work looks very good, actually. Very authentic for the period.
0: Yeah, they did get a really good period look to it for the locations. And apparently, without going abroad to someplace like Prague, like they seem to on uh, a lot of things, they were able to do things. With Liverpool and London and get quite uh, quite a good look for this also part of the look for this the special effects and computer graphics were supervised by Jane Forsyth including producing the tripods and the Martian invaders themselves and you know going for that authenticity in the look of the tripods they definitely had something there indeed yes quite good looking actually the War of the Worlds was broadcast weekly on BBC
1: One starting on November 17th, 2019. And not repeated since, but of course it did go straight to BBC iPlayer and was available there for some time afterwards. Uh, have to say mixed reviews and not great viewing figures apparently. This was not a terribly uh, well-reviewed or received version. And we'll talk about some of the reasons for that perhaps next time. So it perhaps came and went at the time without a great deal of attention after its release. More attention perhaps paid to it before than afterwards, Brian. I think that might be right, yeah. So let's tell you how you can watch it yourself now. In Region 2, there is a DVD, there is a Blu-ray. DVD £9, Blu-ray £12. As far as I can tell, no extras, just the three episodes. I haven't got the discs because I have watched it as part of my BritBox subscription, where it is currently included with BritBox over here. So I've streamed the three episodes quite recently, and of course that works very well. Or you can buy the three episodes all-in on Amazon Video for £4 pounds at the moment in HD, which seems like a remarkable bargain for three episodes. Very good. In
0: Region 1, there is no DVD release, but it is available as part of the AMC package on Amazon Prime in the US. If you subscribe to that package, you should have it available. It is also available for purchase on iTunes. It's about $10. It was 10 dollars canadian i'm not sure but if it's ten dollars us or slightly less but it is available that way reasonably easy to get a hold of it on both sides of the
1: atlantic at the moment
0: yes i think so i did look for it on google play and it was not available there at least not in canada the book of course is widely available and in print and in the public domain and in this case we've actually read it as well
1: <laughs> it's unusual for us but we have yes
0: so yes yeah, certainly This is something that is nice and easy to find, which is uh, something we can't always say. Indeed. So next time we will talk more about the changes between the book and this adaptation and talk about... Different adaptations and how faithful they tend to be to the originals, and so on.
1: And of course, we'll review and recommend or not this uh, streaming option or the discs for this version of The War of the Worlds. We'll let you know whether we think you should check it out. Absolutely.
0: So until then, you can find us at BritishInvaders.com or if you search for British Invaders on Facebook, you can find our group there and join in on the discussions.
1: Yes, please do come and join us on the Facebook group and let us know what you thought about this.
0: And and we're on Twitter, so if you want to follow us, we are at Brit Invaders Pod. So please join us there too.
1: And of course, come and find us at Voice of Geeks Network at VogNetwork.com. The place for British Invaders, but also for lots of content and streaming to do with gaming and so on. If you're a gamer, particularly, check out vognetwork.com. Absolutely. So thank you for listening. And this is Brian from Canada signing off. Yes, thank you very much. Until next time, it's Eamon in England also signing off.